0: I invite you to turn and follow along as I read Psalm 105 in your Bibles. Find that on page 693. Psalm 105. I'll read the entirety of this psalm, but I'll be preaching especially through uh, verses 1 through uh, through, uh, 15 in this passage. This is God's Word, Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth, O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth, he remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance, when they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of all his house and ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies, turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold. And there was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise. And Abraham, his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. During this Christmas holiday, I intend to preach from the Psalms about the promise of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Earlier, I read from one of the New Testament passages that tells of the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. I read from Mary's words as she praises God, especially for how he remembered his covenant. I hope that you might have picked up on that term just there at the end of Mary's words. But I hope that you also notice that she was drawing deeply from all of the promises throughout the Old Testament, and particularly from the Psalms. You hear her and others speak of the horn of salvation, the redemption of God's people, deliverance from enemies, light to those in darkness. Especially today, the remembering of his covenant. And all of those themes are one that fit in that great story arch of all of the Bible that focuses on God sending his son to be our savior. So today, and in the coming weeks, it is my intention to pick up that great story of the birth of Jesus Christ, I want to look at it from the lens of the Psalms and through the eyes of the witnesses of the birth of Jesus, and I want to do that all for the purpose of leading us to know Jesus as our Savior, to praise God for the incarnation of the Son. So today I'll consider how Jesus was born in fulfillment of God's promises, covenant promises, therefore remember his birth so that you may worship him yourself. Let me give just a very brief introduction to Psalm 105 and then go on into the uh, the body of the sermon. I hope that you heard that Psalm 105 tells the stories of Abraham, Joseph, and Moses, and other of the Old Testament saints during that era. They were all... uh, all remembered in this psalm as a way to teach us the faithfulness of God to his covenant promises. We sometimes talk about psalms like this as teaching psalms. In other words, the writer wants us as a a people to remember these things together. And there's good reason for that. We are a forgetful people, not just the Old Testament saints, but really the people of God throughout all of history tend to forget the goodness of God and his kindness to us. This is especially clear in verses 1 through 6 when the psalm calls on you in in several different ways to make known his deeds, to remember his marvelous works that he has done. And in saying this, it is not—it uh, is not just some sort of trivial pursuit type of game. In other words, trying to remember all of the different details so that you might move along in the game and score different points. No, the purpose of remembering is very focused. The purpose of remembering is so that you may worship the Lord. You make known what God has done in order to thank him and to glorify him. And by remembering, he prompts you to call on him, to seek his face, to follow after him and bow before him in worship. Is it any wonder then that Mary would remember these things? I've often been struck that here is... Uh, in a sense, a very common individual. Mary, she is not of the priestly class. She is not one who would be highly educated in, in the world in her day. And she is a woman. And yet she is well acquainted with the scriptures of God. If you have a Bible that has footnotes on it that tell you references to the Old Testament, you could read through Mary's Magnificat and follow those those references back into the Old Testament. And she is drawing richly from the law and the prophets and the Psalms. It's amazing what the Spirit of God inspired her to know, to remember and to write for our benefit. And particularly, I call your attention to the use of the Psalms in this case. God used them to disciple her in the faith. He used them to draw her along to know him and to worship him, to stir her heart up to bow before the Lord, So by singing, she remembers, and by remembering, she worships the Lord. That's really my purpose today, is I, I want to lead you to remember the mighty deeds of God, even as Mary did, to draw richly, especially from Psalm 105 today, to remember the mighty deeds of God, and then remembering to worship the Lord. So let's turn now to see how God remembers his covenant. Here I'll be looking especially at verses 1 through 15. you read through this psalm, you'll find many ways that God relates how he remembers his covenant promises. Especially to Abraham. You have that as the bookends to this psalm. It opens with his promise to Abraham. It closes with God bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. Why? Well, it's because he remembered his promise to Abraham, and he kept his word. And that moves us to worship him. I want to highlight just three broad sections of this. First of all, his promise to Abraham in 1 through 15. Joseph in 16 through 25. And Moses in 26 through 41. So to Abraham, God covenanted with him. You can look back in Genesis and find these wonderful descriptions of how God came to Abraham. He called him out of a far-off land, the land of Ur of the Chaldees, to come to the land of Canaan to receive that as his inheritance. And that land provided something of a physical reminder of the greater promise of God. The Lord was not just interested in a piece of property. No, the Lord has always been interested in the spiritual salvation of sinners. And that's what the covenant of Abraham is all about. You can read in the covenant that Uh, God spoke to Abraham and said, In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Using these words, God was promising a redeemer to the far-off descendant of Abraham. In you, in your descendants, there will be one in whom all of the nations will be blessed. That's what God is saying to Abraham and without using the word he's speaking of the messiah he's speaking about jesus in you all the nation will be blessed well what is that blessing well it's it's salvation it's the forgiveness of our sins it's the promise that he made to adam way back in the garden of eden one will come to crush the head of the serpent The child that descends from Adam and Eve is now the child that descends from Abraham. And you, all the nations, will be blessed. And if you remember that story in Genesis, you'll remember that at this point, Abraham didn't have any children. And he was old, and his wife was old. They were beyond the years of having any children. And yet, this covenant promise was made to them. So, God gave a promise that led to a son, Isaac, who in turn had a son, Jacob. And even though they were small in number, as verse 12 says, the Lord was giving them a promise of descendants that would be more than the stars in heaven, more than the sand on the seashore, and more importantly, he would send the Messiah. During this time, verses 13 through 15, it says God was protecting them. He rebuked kings who tried to harm them. Think here of Pharaoh who tried to take Sarah as his wife. Even though Abraham muddled that up and lied about Sarah, God was the one who was keeping his promise. Why? Well, it's because from Abraham and Sarah would come this Redeemer. So the Lord was protecting them. Verses 8 through 10 says, he remembered his covenant forever, the word which he had commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. To Israel, as an everlasting covenant. Psalm then makes a similar point in the case of Joseph in verses 16 through 25. I'll be briefer here. It might seem in this case that the promised seed, the promised generations or the promised nation really of Israel would be snuffed out by a terrible famine that the Lord sent on the land. But as As this passage says, God had sent Joseph ahead of them into Egypt. And even though Joseph's brothers treated him sinfully, they meant to do him harm. God meant it for good. He was protecting the children of Abraham. Why? Because that was his promise. And that was the avenue of sending the Redeemer into the world. And so God exalted Joseph, even though he was, uh, was imprisoned and in chains and was a slave. God was preserving him by his word, by his promise. And in time, he was exalted to be ruler in Egypt. Again, why? Well, so to keep his, prop, his promise so as to send the Messiah. The same thing could be said about Moses in verses 26 through 41. And the psalm here especially goes through all of the plagues that God has sent on Egypt. Plagues of flies and lice. God turned water into blood. He sent frogs to go all through the nation, even into the house of the pharaoh, the king. Even they couldn't keep out the frogs. And finally, God sent his own angel of death to go through the land to kill the firstborn. God was delivering his people. He led them out by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, he fed them quail and the bread of heaven. Don't you just love that term? This is God providing for his people. He gave them water from the rock. Why? So as to keep his covenant, so as to send the Messiah. So he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham, his servant, says verse 42. God remembers his promise. And Mary remembers it as well. This young lady, visited by the angel Gabriel, is to bear the Messiah. Though she and her fiancé had never been together, she was going to have a baby. That baby was by the Holy Spirit that overshadowed her, so that she was indeed pregnant with a baby. And that baby is none other than the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one promised from of old. And so Mary praises God as she realizes more and more what God is accomplishing. This is what they have been anticipating and longing for and looking for. From the very beginning, there is this hope that the seed of the woman would come. You ever notice that when Adam and Eve had a baby, that, uh, that Eve calls her firstborn, I have got a man, that's the, that's the name that she gives to, to, uh, to her son, I have got a man, related to that promise, perhaps this is the one that the Lord has said would be our redeemer, and that that longing then runs throughout the rest of the scripture. Here is Mary longing for the same thing and realizing that God has not forgotten his promises, that he has remembered what he he has said that he would do, and that she, by God's providence, would be a witness and would be the mother of the child That the Lord had promised. So she closes this great praise by saying, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and His seed forever. Just hear the glorious setting of that praise that all of the anticipation of the ages is coming to fruition. Really, the focal point of all history is coming to pass. And by God's grace, she would be the mother of the promised Redeemer, Jesus Christ. God had not forgotten them. Remembered His promise long ago to send an anointed Savior to redeem us from our sins. And Mary particularly called this to mind, remembers it. She's doing exactly what Psalm 105 says. He says, uh, Psalm 105 says to, uh, to keep this in mind, to talk about it, to make known the mighty deeds of God." Well, I wonder if you've ever forgotten something. You've forgotten where you put your keys. You've forgotten a scheduled appointment. You've forgotten your passport and a taxi in China. (laughs) Ask me about that later. (laughs) Have you ever forgotten your anniversary or the birthday of one of your children? We feel foolish when we forget, don't we? Especially, uh, the importance of the event that we forget makes it even worse. Psalm 105 calls us to remember. And it contrasts that with the fact that God remembers. But I want you to know that when the Bible says that God remembers, it's not because he's forgetful like I am. It's because the Lord knows all things. It's saying something about God. It's, it's saying that he always keeps his word. He never forgets. He remembers and he keeps his word. And where I fail and where I fail often, God remembers and faithfully keeps every promise that he makes. For a thousand generations, in other words, for all time, forever and ever, God has and will keep his word. Here specifically, Mary is remembering that he has promised the forgiveness of our sins through a promised Messiah. So Mary does what Psalm 105 tells us to do. She remembers, and as she remembers, she worships God. She praises him for all of his mighty deeds, especially the mightiest of all, the sending of Jesus to be our Redeemer. Psalm 105 was instrumental for Mary's remembering and worship. It's instrumental for our remembering and worship as well. As I said, this really is the thrust of this message. Not just that you would see and be amazed at Mary's knowledge of the Psalms and the coming of the Lord Jesus, not that you could recite some trivial pursuit questions, but so that you would remember, and in remembering that you would worship. I want to give you three things from this passage that that you can remember, and therefore worship the Lord. First, remember that hope comes from the fact that God keeps his covenant. Hope comes from the fact that God keeps his covenant. When Mary quotes from Psalm 105, she is remarking on how God has been gracious to them. As I think about my own Christian experience and my own uh, Christian walk, I look at myself and I see, I see ups and downs. I see strengths and I see failings. I see uh, all of these things that are, are a, in a sense, a, a muddled mess of my own Christian experience. But the Lord knows this. The Lord knows you in your weakness, in your ups and downs, in your failings. He knows that you have and will break your covenant with God. But he will not. Ever. God always remembers his covenant. God always remembers that if you come to him in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, he will forgive your sins that he will always remember you. Like Mary, if you look at yourself, you will likely see the lowly estate of your own condition. But if you're also like Mary and you look at God and his word, you will see the reason why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That he came because God had promised to send a redeemer. That God had promised to save you from your sins. And these promises, these realities will give you hope. It will lead you to say, as Psalm 105 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Verse 1. Second, you may worship because you remember that faith grows up from the fact that God keeps His covenant. There's hope that you're given, and out of that hope grows this lively and living faith and trust in God's promises. You can take God at His word, your faith doesn't rest on some fairy tale. It's not some clever, vain, pie in the sky wishful thinking. Instead, it rests on God Himself, who cannot lie. It rests on His Word that He will never forget. It rests on His Son that He sent. You can think and remind yourself of the many powerful things that God has done throughout history. You can start, as Psalm 105 does, just reciting the plagues that God brought in order to deliver, in other words, to redeem his people out of Egypt. And then think of the miracle of Jesus' own birth, that according to the promises of God in the Old Testament, that a virgin conceived and bore a child, That child is the very son of God who died on the cross for our sins and rose again, miracle after miracle. You can apply that to your own life. That may be unlooked for, that God broke into your life, brought you to your knees, repentance and faith the miracle of new birth is the gift of faith to you they lead you to say as verses 4 through 6 say seek the lord and in his seek the lord and his strength seek his face evermore remember his marvelous works which he has done his wonders <coughs> and the judgment of his mouth o seed Of Abraham, his servant. Remember that by faith, you all are now the seed of Abraham. Not just those of Jewish descent, but those who by faith have believed in Jesus Christ are counted the children of the promise. Do you believe that? Let your faith rest. In the promise of God. And finally, remember that since God keeps his covenant, you may and should worship him. Like Mary, Psalm 105 will, will, will lead you to say, God has done great things for me. That's what Mary says. That's what you say, is it not? God has done great things for me. When you recognize the sin and rebellion that he has saved you from, what else could you say? What else could you do but fall down and worship your Redeemer, Jesus Christ? By faith we believe that God has kept his word. For he has remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant He brought out his people with joy, his chosen one with gladness. It's the close of Psalm 105. He did indeed keep his word. He sent Jesus into the world to save us from Satan's power, from our own sin and the death in which we were born. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. I pray that today that you would remember God's faithful covenant promises in sending Jesus to be our Redeemer. And in re- remembering that you may worship Him who is our Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your faithfulness throughout generation after generation. God, the Christmas story may be very familiar to us, and those things that are familiar we can become kind of callous to and close off our ears, and yet today I pray that we would be prompted to tell these stories again, to sing these psalms again to remember again your great faithfulness. And in singing and in remembering, may you be exalted in our hearts and in our lips, in our families, in our congregation, in our nation, and around the world. For Lord, you have indeed kept covenant, sending Jesus our Redeemer. In his name we pray, amen. We'll close by singing another portion of Psalm 105, especially this portion that speaks of God remembering his covenant for us. Psalm 105b, let's stand and sing our praise to God.